everyone. This morning's reading is from Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 32, under the heading Instructions for Christian Living. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Thanks, Stephanie. Uh, I was reflecting with uh, Jacob this week as we were talking about his baptism and I realised it will be the first baptism I've ever done that hasn't been in crocodile infested waters. <laughs> it's pretty special, I think. Never had to fill a pool before. So uh, let's pray. Uh, we're going to continue in our series, obviously, in Ephesians and we'll consider what God has uh, for us this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is a double-edged sword of the Spirit and that we can expect with anticipation that our hearts will be uh, shaken, will be uh, circumcised by it, will be uh, really challenged to, uh, to reflect on who we are and whether we are living by the Spirit or by our flesh. And Father God, as we consider this passage this morning, help us to understand that you have given us a new set of clothes and we pray that you'll give us the wisdom and the strength to put them on. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Forbes magazine uh, a few years back published an article titled What Your Clothes Say About You. Apparently, what you wear informs passers-by of your employment as well as your ambitions, emotions and spending habits. Now, I don't know uh, how I can preach this without feeling self-conscious, but in fact, there's a whole stream of psychology now devoted to our clothes called the psychology of dress. And these are some of the findings. This is straight out of my wardrobe. 
this is, uh, these are some of the findings. If you wear only neutrals, largely devoid of accessories, welcome to my world, you might be stuck in a psychological rut, too comfortable to shake it up or too afraid to draw attention to yourself. If you dress in clothing too large for your body, uh, you might see your body differently than others see it or as a reflection of the way it once was. Uh, if you dress too young or too old for your age, you might be trying to express the age that you feel you are, but getting caught between your actual age and your inner age. Uh, if you are always wearing work clothes, you may value uh, yourself primarily through the work and work-related accomplishments. And if you're always covered in designer logos, then you think you need to broadcast wealth in order to be treated well by others. But there's one that I think resonates with us as Christians. Uh, if you keep every piece of clothing you've ever owned, you might be clinging to the past through the sentimental value of your pieces. Now I hear some chuckles. There's wardrobes full of old pieces. See, I think it gives us an insight into our Christian life. Uh, too often, we, uh, we, often piece, we, we keep every piece of our previous life. Uh, we never get rid of it. We keep putting it on despite uh, having been given a brand new set of clothes by the designer. And in our passage this morning, we are encouraged to take off our old clothes and put on the new clothes that Christ has given us. And the first thing that Paul says here is take off your old school uniform. Have a look at verses 17 to 19. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. See, the picture here is of clothes that no longer fit you. You have more stains on them than you can imagine, and they identify you with a world and a way of life that you no longer should be identifying with. See, this is an old school uniform that he's talking about. Now, we've just met Jacob, and he's just finished... His uh, high school, now I went to a different high school. I didn't go to Wycliffe, I went to Blacktown Boys High School and I can tell you they're very different schools. And at the end of my high school, we got our school uniform and we basically burnt it. We did not have good memories of high school. Uh, it, was, it was trampled on, it was burnt, it was completely destroyed to symbolise that we are never going back to that school. Good riddance, thank you. Now, I'm sure the school's changed since then. I'm, I, I know it has. It's a different school. But it wasn't a fun place for me to be. So as I finished my last day, what did I do? I threw it in the bin. Well, no, I didn't. I went home and I threw it in, just threw it in the back corner of my wardrobe. Now, it would be silly if the very next day of my new life, 
I went to put on my clothes and someone had bought me all these beautiful new clothes and a suit to go to job interviews in and then I reached down into the bottom corner of my wardrobe and I put on this messy, dirty, burnt uniform to continue to wear. But see, this is what Paul says that we so easily do. And the picture here is a uniform that's filled with darkness. See, Paul is thinking, saying our thinking, our mind, directs our way of life. Our old way, our old uniform of thinking, he says in verse 17, in verse 17, he says, So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live in the futility of their thinking. It is futile to think the way you used to think. And this word futility, it means emptiness, it means purposelessness, it means transitory. Effectively, it's so engaged in what's happening around that it's got no direction. It really, even if it feels it's got purpose, at the end of the day, when all things are said, it all just disappears. There's no real depth to it. And there's certainly no stability or hope in it. See, our very nature was to reject God. Verse 18 says we used to actively harden our hearts, which led to a darkening of our understanding, and it separated us from the way of life that was in the Lord. Now, you may be sitting there going, well, hang on, that's not me. I wasn't like that. Or maybe you've been privileged not to recognise that because you've grown up in a good home, you've grown up in a Christian life. But when you take Christ away from the purpose, then in the end, the purpose of your thinking is either about yourself or about something else. And it is futile. And by doing that, you are rejecting God. And whether you feel it or not, that is really the darkness of what's going on when you're outside of Christ. And the list of characteristics that come with it are confronting. Verse 19 gives us a picture of an intentional handing over to sensuality, indulging in every kind of impurity, which is all driven by the greed of selfishness. In effect, if we're not living for Christ, we're living for the self. And what is the self? Well, it's the sum of our desires. It's the picture of our world. Take the World Wide Web. That's the internet. Some of you may have used it. I'm sure most of you have. But the internet's a great example. It was originally created to help scientists share information and for the military uh, to be able to uh, protect uh, countries better. But nothing expresses this this selfishness and the way that we take almost everything in order to move this way. Now, if I talked about the biggest video streaming industry on the internet, what comes to mind? Well, Netflix, maybe? Apple TV? YouTube? Not even close. It is the pornographic industry. And the very, the very uh, conservative estimates say it's worth $15 billion a year, but some think it's worth $97 billion a year. 
There was an article written in the Guardian newspaper by John Norton and he describes the realities of these figures. He says, what does it all mean? It's difficult to say, but for me, the main takeaway is a simple question. If the porn industry is as huge as it is, doesn't that tell us something about human nature? In the end, this is not about technology, but about us, he says. And the Bible says that's exactly the problem. Yes, it is about us. It all reflects the darkened mind, the hardened heart, pursuing sensuality. And if you notice here, Paul says it leads to a loss of sensitivity. Now what he's saying here is that we become desensitised to the realities of what we're inflicting on others. We become desensitised to the damage this is doing to us, to others, the abuse that we cause to others, whether it's violence. We become desensitised. We watch violence and it has no real impact on us anymore. We We watch pornography and it has no impact on us anymore. We don't feel anything. Because we become desensitised as we encounter this and it becomes a part of our life. We lose empathy, we lose compassion, we start seeing people as objects. It's all around us, just open the papers. It's playing out before our very eyes. And Paul is writing this over 2,000 years ago. See, nothing's changed. The problem isn't technology. The problem isn't things in the world. The problem is the human heart. The human mind and the heart needs a new set of clothes. And in Christ, we are to take off the old school uniform. It doesn't fit anymore. It doesn't represent who we are. Well, the second thing Paul uh, says, and he goes on to say is, Uh, Don't put the uniform back on, but reach into your closet and put on the new clothes. Put on, that's not the new clothes. Put on the new clothes that have been purchased for your new life. Have a look at verses 20 and 24 there. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. One of the trends in fashion at the moment is to upcycle Now, I'm not sure if you've encountered upcycling before, but Habitat for Humanity describes upcycling as this, the act of taking something no longer in use and giving it a second life and new function. And in doing so, the finished product often becomes more practical, valuable and beautiful than what it previously was. In other words, as you can see on on the picture, you take an old cabinet or chair or clothes and you give it a makeover. It's the same item, but it's presented differently to be more appealing, more modern, more acceptable in the current culture. Here, and those pictures, I think, show you an indication. 
But unfortunately, we so often tend towards upcycling our life when it comes to Christ. We make it more appealing, we make it more aligned, we make it more acceptable. We ensure that the church we've just joined accepts us by just upcycling what the old life used to be. We sacrifice a couple of hours on Sunday, we add ourselves to a roster, we make some lifestyle changes, we drink less, we stop swearing, we hide our smoking, we increase our giving. Paul says the Christian life isn't an upcycle. It needs to be brand new. This isn't a renovation show. This is a knockdown and rebuild. The very foundations need to be knocked down and Christ laid as the foundation. We are not upcyclers in the church. We knock down and rebuild. And it starts in verse 3 by being made new in the attitude... 23, sorry, verse 23, by being made new in the attitude of our minds. Let me just put that back up. The attitude of our minds... In fact, the emphasis here is a passive one. So the good news is that you actually don't do the knockdown and rebuild. The Holy Spirit does that for you. But you need to work with the program. You don't keep going over to, to, the, to the rubbish heap and bringing the old cabinet and trying to put it back in the living room that he's building. It just doesn't work. And verse 24 tells us that this new life has been created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, they're your new brand names. When you reach into the closet to pull your new clothes, you don't buy from Louis Vuitton. You don't go to Vinnie's, your old, someone else's old clothes. You go and you reach for these clothes that Christ has purchased for you, put into your wardrobe, and you start checking the labels and you make sure that you take from the ones that Christ has put there. The ones from the brand of righteousness. The ones from the brand of holiness. And the Holy Spirit enables you to do that. So take off your old school uniform. And choose the brand names of righteousness and holiness, Paul's saying. Because they're the ones that on the day you left your old life, Christ put into your wardrobe. Don't reach down into the corner and try to grab that old uniform. Choose the ones of righteousness and holiness. But then Paul goes on to talk about the different items of clothing that he's actually put there that have the brand name holiness and righteousness. And he talks about the character traits, which are your items of clothing. And Paul now remembers, however, that there's one golden rule of fashion. Well, there's lots of golden rules of fashion I, decided, uh, I discovered this week, but there is this one. Never mix the patterns. Never mix patterns, because they clash. You can't take some of the patterns of your old life and mix it with some of the patterns of your new life. And I'm not going to read these passages, but these are the things, uh, these are the things that he talks about. The contrast. Verse 25. 
The old life is full of falsehoods, but the new life speaks truthfully. Verse 26, the old doesn't deal with anger, which then leads to bitterness. And in verse 27, it says it gives the devil a foothold. But the new life doesn't let the day finish without resolving the relational conflict that has caused your anger. And at the heart of this is forgiveness. And in many respects, this is the heart of the new life that the old life doesn't have. And this is why Paul finishes this uh, chapter with this. He says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. He's reinforcing the message that we heard last week about unity in the church. Forgiveness is the heart of the new life. Now notice, I just want to point this out. Notice he doesn't say, do not be angry. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Now there's a big difference. Because the Bible talks about a righteous anger. I tell you, when you see some of the effects of the darkness of the old life and the world and you hear in the news about some of the effects on children and people, you should be angry. You should be indignant. You should be moved in your anger to respond with real righteous response. Usually that's with action, prayer, it's when we then take that anger and we start responding with characteristics which are the same as the world. We fight fire with fire. See, we pray into these things. We lobby into these things. We establish ministries for the trafficking of children. We should be supporting these things and caring about these things. It is okay to be angry when you are confronted with the effects of the darkness of the old life. But the challenge for all of us is to respond in a way which reflects the new clothes. And that's not easy. Because Paul says elsewhere in the scriptures, there's this battle of the flesh, the old self, and the spirit going on inside of us. And we are always tempted to be drawn in to the old life and put on that clothes. I'm not standing here going, just do the right thing. This is not easy stuff. We are being renewed from the inside out, the knockdown rebuild. We want to pull in the old furniture. And the Spirit says, nope, you're not bringing that in here. And we go and chuck a tantrum like a two-year-old. But I want it. I need to be angry. And don't think I'm immune from this. In fact, anger has been the thing that I've brought from my old life, which I battle really hard with. Now, he talks about fits of rage. If you think you're, you've got the purity of a pastor in front of you, well, that's not true. I'm not going to stand here and say, be like me. Not when it comes to anger. But I am battling with that. 
Does it disqualify me from ministry? Well, you can have that conversation later. And I'm not saying I'm doing anything which doesn't, you know, which is constant and overtly, but rising up within me. And I think there's a lot of men who understand this. Maybe women as well. I'm not a woman, if you hadn't figured that out. But there's a lot of men, I think, that, 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 that have this. We have this surge of anger that comes in us and we don't know where it comes from. And we are battling that. We need to openly talk about that. But it's how we respond and we draw into the strength of the Spirit and we step back from that and we say, no, we won't put that on. Anger is a big one in what's going on here in this scripture. But in your anger, do not sin. As you feel it rising, draw on the clothes that Christ has given you. Well, beyond that, uh, he talks about... uh, that the, the, the grief of the Holy Spirit. So if you have a look at verse 30, if you have your Bibles, and it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now I've heard lots of teaching around this being there's a certain sin that grieves the Holy Spirit or there's something in particular. That's not what's happening here. What Paul's saying is that every time you put on one of these clo- this bit of clothing from your old life, all the things he's already talked about, it grieves the Holy Spirit. You have been made to be new. And so God grieves for you. He grieves with you. Did you know you emotionally affect your father? Your Father cares so much about you in heaven that what you do actually matters to you, to him. And so the grief that the Holy Spirit feels is simply because God, your Father, Son, Holy Spirit are renewing you from the inside out and they long for the day that you are recreated into the image of God. In fact, Paul has just said uh, that, that that is our goal, the fullness of Christ, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ back in the previous chapter, uh, verses and chapters. That's our goal. And so, of course, the Holy Spirit's going to grieve when you go against what he's encouraging and wanting you to be. So there's been a great price paid to put those clothes into your wardrobe. A huge cost. We're not talking about a cost where I think the second most, uh, the second most valuable or expensive brand is Louis Vuitton. I don't know. I don't have a handbag from Louis Vuitton, but I'm pretty sure they're in the tens of thousands. We're not talking about that kind of cost. We're talking about the cost of God coming to the earth in the mire and the muck, dwelling amongst us, being taken out into to be tempted to prove his worthiness as a ho- the holy and righteous one that is fully clothed and never of an old life but fully in the new life, to be spat upon, to be mocked, to be beaten with a stick, a crown of thorns put on his head, the holy one, the righteous one, to be torn to shreds, to be made to carry his cross, 
to be nailed in the hands and the feet, to be put onto, the, to, to, onto that cross and then hoisted up into the big hole in the ground, to be there with a little seat so that he could rest himself on. But when he breathes, he has to pull himself up, excruciating agony through his hands and his body just to breathe. But then he has to sit back down to release that, but then he can't breathe. And it goes on and on until eventually he suffocates. That is the cost to put these clothes into your wardrobe. And it's all a demonstration of the love. And so does the Holy Spirit grieve when we reach back and grab the uniform of our old school? Of course he does. Because he knows the cost. And if you don't grasp the cost, then you won't be driven to reach for those new clothes, even though it's easy to just grab that old uniform. This isn't easy. But we grapple with this because it's worth it, because Jesus is worth it, because the price he paid demonstrates his love for us. But here's the great news, is that every time you reach for that uniform, instead of the clothes that are there, every time you've clothed yourself in with the wrong clothes, you don't sit on the shame and the guilt. And I tell you, when you do move into a space where you've reached for the old uniform, you should grieve just as the Holy Spirit does. And you should feel that pain, that you have grieved God. But the good news is, is that it's not for you to make that up again because that death that put those clothes on, into your wardrobe is the same death today, tomorrow and for all your future that you call upon to be restored and reconciled again. It's not that you ever were separated from God because nothing can separate you. But the guilt and the shame that you feel when you don't put on those clothes... Well, you, you need to come back to the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and realise again and again in more deep and deep and deep and a deepening faith and an understanding which Paul said in the last passage, a deepening understanding and faith that that cost was so extensive and so real that as you continue to get on board with the Holy Spirit and you grow in your righteousness, that you don't have to carry the guilt and the shame of the reality of living in this, in this life of the old self and the new self. So I'm not going to stand here and say, stop being angry. Stop, stop treating people with your words as you shouldn't be. I'm going to firstly and foremostly say, when you do that, remember that forgiveness is available to you. That is the foundation of your new life. That's why it has to be a knockdown rebuild. The foundation is Christ. And so as you pull that old cupboard in, and you feel grieved that it clashes in the patterns and you realise that you've hurt God by that, you fall back to your foundation, which isn't yourself, which isn't your own desires, but it's Christ. 
And you know what you find there? Forgiveness and grace. That's the first thing I want to tell you this passage is saying today. And once you grasp that, and you can start trying to grab those new clothes and building with the Holy Spirit. And then when you fail again, you fall back and you find forgiveness. You have been set free. You are no longer a prisoner. And that should drive you to seeking and desiring to do everything you can to see the renewal of your life come to fruition. I just want to share with you a story of how this can impact the world when you, when you do put on the clothing of Christ. It shouldn't be underestimated. In 1972, this is, this is not a photo related to this story, but it gives you a picture. In 1972, a young Egyptian businessman named Farahat lost an $11,000 watch. Now, he was stunned when a garbage man dressed in filthy rags, found it and returned it to him. Pharaoh had asked him why he didn't just keep the watch. The garbage man said, My Christ told me to be honest until death. Pharaoh had later told a reporter, I didn't know Christ at the time, but I told the garbage man that I saw Christ in him. I told him, Because of what you have done and your great example, I will worship the Christ you are worshipping. Pharaoh had studied the Bible and grew in his faith and two years later he visited the garbage man's village outside Cairo where between 15,000 and 30,000 people were living in poverty and squalor. There was no electricity or running water, alcohol, drugs, gambling were pervasive, men, women and children sifted through huge mountains of garbage looking for something of value that could be sold for cash or traded for food. Farahat found himself reflecting on the words of Jesus, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He also remembered the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 4.13, We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things. It was soon thereafter that Farahat and his wife began ministering to people's spiritual and material needs. They preached the gospel throughout Egypt and thousands of people turned to Christ. In 1978, Farahat was ordained by the Coptic Orthodox Church and became known as Father Saman. About 10,000 believers were meeting in a large cave outside the garbage village. It was the largest church of believers in the Middle East. And in May of 2005, a day of prayer was held for Muslims to turn to Christ. More than 20,000 Arab Christians gathered. The event was also broadcast on a Christian satellite TV network where millions were watching. All this because one garbage man chose to humbly return a watch that would have made him the richest man in town because his Christ asked him to put on that piece of clothing. Put off your old clothes. Put on your new. And remember the patterns can never be worn together. Well, let's pray. Father God, Thank you that you have blessed us, firstly, with the foundation of forgiveness and grace that comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We humbly thank you that we come to you simply because you first came to us, that you lived a life we could not live. You died the death on our behalf to pay the punishment for our sin and you uh, raised the Lord Jesus from, to life again so that we can have the hope of eternity with you where nothing can separate us from your love. Father God, 
We come before you and we ask in response to this that you help us to choose the clothes with the brand name of righteousness and holiness. That you bless us, Lord, with the Holy Spirit. Strengthen us to choose these brands over the brands of our old uniform and our old way of life. Father God, we pray this morning that whatever it is that's plaguing us, whatever sin continues to come into our life, that you push us deeper and deeper and deeper into a faith of Christ, knowing that we have been released and knowing that the Holy Spirit can guide us and bring us out of that. But Father God, I pray that when we struggle with addiction and when we struggle with things that we shouldn't, not only do we have the help of those around us, but Father God, that we fall onto the foundation that is Christ, the forgiveness of sin and life everlasting in you. Father God, thank you for this word and thank you for your scripture. And we pray a blessing over the week ahead and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.